Hey, we're talking about something today that's very strange. This is a strange portion of Scripture. There's all kinds of views on this, but we're going to take the plain reading of the Scripture as the view. So we're in Revelation chapter 9, verse 1 through 12. Locusts from hell, if you would, stand for reading of God's Word. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star falling from heaven to the earth. To him was given a key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth were, have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. But they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. The shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold and, of their, and their faces were like the faces of men. And they had hair like women's hair and their teeth were like lion's teeth and they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months, and they had as a king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in the Greek he is, is, has the name Apollyon. One woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that these are strange things that we're going to see. But what is not strange is that we know there is a demonic realm. We know that there are destroyers in the demonic realm. And we thank you that you have protected your people. You've sealed these people into tribulation. They can't be hurt. And Father, you've sealed us, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Satan has no authority or power over us. Lord, may we walk in the power of who you made us. We're your children. We're in your family. And may we stay under your cover and not put ourselves in dangerous areas where Satan can influence us to try to destroy us. Father, thank you for this word today. Holy Spirit, open our eyes and ears to the truth. Touch us, Lord, in our area of need. Please, we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Locust from hell, some strange stuff we're seeing here today. As you know, the theme of Revelation is Jesus is coming, and Jesus is coming in judgment. In judgment, the king is coming. Last time we talked about the first four trumpet judgments, and all these judgments had to do with earth. All of them were on earth. All of them were against Mother Earth. Remember the name of Mother Earth? The, the worshipers of Mother Earth are worshiping Gaia, G-A-I-A. That is the earth god. That's what people call, that's what it's termed. People today worship Mother Earth. They worship the creator, or creation rather than the creator. And that is dangerous. Radical environmentalists. They talk about Mother Earth being mad and causing hurricanes and tornadoes and tsunamis. And Mother Earth is going to pay people back. And you're, he's going to, Mother Earth is going to destroy humans for trying to destroy her. And we know that's hogwash. We know that's hogwash because Psalm 104.5 says this. You who laid the foundations of the earth... So they, they shall not be moved forever. There is no human that is going to destroy this earth. God will. He will remake this whole thing, but it's not going to be a person. It's not going to be humanity. Now, last time we saw the earth dwellers' gods were attacked, as Gaia gods, and it, it, it attacked in four different areas. The first, first trumpet was this. Vegetation and one-third of the trees were destroyed. The green grass was burned up. The second trumpet, one-third of the salt water, the seas, became blood. Can you imagine that scene? And, and, and the, the ships were destroyed. A third trumpet was a star, and it was called Wormwood. And we decided that this could be an asteroid causing this to, to cause the, the fresh waters to become bitter, or it could be a demon. There's some evidence for both. And the fourth trumpet is one-third of the luminaries, the sun, the moon, and the stars, had no light, and they start to become darker and dimmer. Can you imagine what that's going to do? Now, we have a heads up on most people. We live in Michigan. So from November to March, what do we have? A third of the luminaries are darkened. <laughs> so it's kind of like living in Michigan, okay? 
Now, can you imagine the awful effect this is going to have on people living through this carnage? Famine, starvation, and with that comes infighting. Now, do you remember just a short time ago when you went to the store with COVID when it first started, you couldn't find toilet paper. You couldn't find cleaning supplies. You couldn't find hand sanitizer. Why? Because everybody was hoarding. It was every man for himself. Can you imagine what's going to happen here? Every man for themselves. And chapter 8 culminates with this warning. Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Why? Because now God's attack, his wrath, is going to be poured out not just on Mother Earth, but now on the people themselves. What a tragedy. Warning, warning, warning. These judgments are against humanity proper. God's wrath will be poured out. Now remember, that word wrath is orge, orge. And it's anger as a state of mind. Aristotle put it this way. He's a Greek philosopher. He said, orge is desire with grief. And it was, we have this feeling that God has to pour out his anger and his wrath on people, but this is not something that he wants to do. He continually tries to bring people into his family. He doesn't want to do this. Donald Barnhouse says of Orge this, it has to do with God's displeasure released in a gradual fashion or retained until later time. It's not a fit of rage. It's not revenge. That word would be thumos. He doesn't use that word. Remember, God is patient. What does God want? He wants people to turn and live and believe. In Ezekiel 18.23, Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should perish, but turn and live? John 3.36 says this, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. But he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, for God's wrath, his orge, remains on him, abides on him. For the believer, you won't experience the wrath of God. Why is that? You don't have to answer that. Most of you know the answer to that question because Jesus took all of our wrath on the cross. Everything the Father had, all the wrath was poured out on Jesus for our sins. He substituted in our place. What does God desire? 1 Timothy 2.4 All men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. God is merciful. And he has these angels flying around. This angel flies around. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a warning. It's a warning. Turn and live. Turn and live, earth dwellers. The locusts are going to be released from hell, earth dwellers. Turn and live. In verses 1 and 2, we see a falling star. We wonder, who in the world is this guy? Who is this falling star? Well, we'll make some deductions from the Scripture. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Now there are some commentators that believe that this angel, because they can open the pit, is maybe the Lord Jesus. And I think that is a wrong view. A wrong view of this. Because notice the angel is fallen. He's fallen. More on that in just a second. So, this star has fallen from heaven. When you see that word fallen, it's always related to something bad. Something bad has happened here. The star, a star is used as a symbol for angels. We see that in 120. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, so it can be applied to angels. So Jesus is going to give us a hint. In Luke 10, 18, Jesus says this, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So this could be a fallen angel. Or it could be Satan himself, and I just have a little picture here that I found on the internet, and Satan is just being kicked out of heaven. And if you read Revelation chapter 12, verse 7, in, in Satan's hubris, in his arrogance, he tries to bring rebellion into heaven. Michael and his archangels overcome Satan, boot him out and his one-third of the angels, and they are then cast to the earth at that time. More in just a second about Satan. So, the word fallen, what does fall mean? Fallen is this, fall into sin, to fall in a state of disfavor, to fall into judgment. The fall of Satan and the fall of man. We've fallen from a position of high position of favor and service to sin and disfavor with God. 
This is terrible. The fall, you were created for something great and you fell from that position or that created position. So, they fell from what they were created to be. Satan was created to be the anointed cherub, the number one in the angelic realm. Before the throne of God, some people say that he led worship in heaven. Ezekiel 28, 14 tells us this. His, first, his name was originally called Lucifer, the shining one, the bright one, the most beautiful of God's creation. And then when he fell, his name was changed to Satan, the adversary of God. Man, mankind was given theocratic administrative authority on earth. What does that mean? Well, theo was God, cratic is administrative rule on earth. In Genesis chapter 1, 26, we read this. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Talking about the Godhead. Let them have dominion, rada, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created them, bara, out of nothing. He created them in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and again, have dominion, have rule, have reign, rada, over the earth, everything that moves on the earth. Mankind was given the deed to planet earth. Mankind was given the position to rule under God on planet earth until something awful happened to man and something that really existed, the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, a tempter comes to the woman. She eats of the forbidden fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. She shares it with her husband who's standing right there, not acting as her protector, but he is complicit in this thing. And the fall of man occurs. And what we see is this. They're given authority to rule on earth, and they went from ruling earth to toiling on the earth. You get up at 5 o'clock in the morning to go to work, And you're feeling like, I hate this. I don't want to do this anymore. Right to the fall. Right to the fall. I went to all the days of his life. Hey, a heavy price was paid by Satan when he fell and by mankind when he fell. Heavy price. Now, I believe this fallen star is Satan himself. And think about this. Arnold Fruchtenbaum in his book, Footsteps of Messiah, has the six abodes or dwelling places of Satan. Where does Satan dwell? Well, originally his first abode was before the throne of God as the anointed cherub. We've already mentioned that in Ezekiel 28, 14. But we also see him in Ezekiel 28, 13 in, <clears throat> in the Garden of Eden. It was an emerald garden. He had, he had some sort of gems that were there. We see him in his third position after the fall, We see him in the atmospheric heavens. That's the present domain of the the demonic realm. When you start seeing flying saucers and people seeing all these objects, I believe, now this might sound strange to you, that these these entities are coming out of a different sphere of, of where they live into our entity, and they come in and out of that. In and out of that. They only have they only have limited times that they can do that. That's why you see them for a moment, they're gone. Magically gone. That's their domain today. Ephesians chapters 2, 2 and 6, 12 tell us this. And then when he gets kicked out, he will be sequestered to planet earth in Revelation 12, 7 through 12. His fifth place, his fifth abode is the bottomless pit where Jesus comes back. He puts down Antichrist. He puts down the false prophet. He puts down the earth dwellers. And one angel is summoned to secure Satan and throw him into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. He's released for a short time to deceive the nations. And in Revelation chapter 20, verse 7 through 10, he's finally definitively dealt with and thrown into the lake of fire. By the way, for the last thousand years, the false prophet and the Antichrist dwelt. That's what it says. Satan now dwells in the atmospheric heavens. Again, that's why we see the flying saucers. That's what I believe. He has access to earth right now, but he also has to give an account of himself before God in heaven. How do I know that? Because in Job chapter 1, verse 6 through 7, we see this. Now, there was a day 
when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, where do you come from? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on the earth. Now, what do you think he's doing walking back and forth on the earth? Do you think he's just having a picnic and He's just having a stroll and say, oh, that's the Rocky Mountains, and oh, that's the ocean. No, he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And what are we to do, it says in Peter? Resist him in the faith. That is what we are to do with this guy. Satan today, folks, is actively, actively, actively involved in the affairs of planet Earth. He is directing world systems. He is influencing world leaders. He is manipulating circumstances to his advantage. And it says in 1 John chapter 5, 19, guess what? The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Now, let me suggest to you something. Look around you. Whenever you see chaos, whenever you see lawlessness, think Satan Think the demonic realm. Whenever you see people hating Jews, vehemently hating, or hating Christians, because that is more popular now than any time in the history of planet Earth, more are being martyred now for the faith than any time we just aren't seeing it here. It's happening all over the world. Whenever you see this, hatred, think of Satan. Think of Satan. We know that the whole world lies under the sway of the evil one. Whoever this fallen angel is, he's given a key to the bottomless pit, the abyss, the abuso. It's depthless. It's bottomless. It's like you're there in outer darkness, falling and falling and falling forever. It's mentioned seven times in the book of Revelation. It refers to a prison where the worst demons are sequestered. The worst ones are sequestered. Hordes are incarcerated there. The demonic hordes are incarcerated there. They get the severest torment exclusively for angels. Humans aren't in this place. This is only where the angelic realm is. The humans have their own holding tank. Okay, They have their dark place that they're waiting, but it's not this place. Not this place. Jude 6 tells us where these fallen angels are in prison. Also, we see it in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Why in the world are they there? What did they do? The angels, Jude 6 says this, the angels who did not keep their proper domain, their proper order. If you think about this, these demonic entities can only work within a constrained space of where God allows them to work. If they go beyond this, then they are confined. Okay, that's something to think about. But they left their abode. They disobeyed God. He has reserved an everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. And then 2 Peter gives us a little bit more information on this. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down. Now, when you think about hell, it's always down. When you think about God, it's always up. Whenever you think about going to Jerusalem, it's always ascending to Jerusalem. You make aliyah. We're going up to God because we worship someone greater than us. So they they sin, but we're cast down to hell. That word is Tartarus, the darkest of hells. And delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. What was their crime? What was their crime? Well, their crime is described in Genesis chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. And I don't have time to develop this. But if you were here on a Tuesday night, about five years ago, we went through Genesis. Okay. (laughs) What did these fallen angels do to get this punishment? Well, this is the short version. They cohabitated with the daughters of men to produce a hybrid of part human and part demonic species. What was their purpose? To contaminate the gene pool and prevent Messiah from coming. Isn't that astounding? That is exactly what happened. And they were almost successful all the way down to Noah, his wife, three sons and their wife. Three sons. Eight people. Okay, eight people. They were on the ark. So, thank you. So, Satan knew something. 
He knew something. After the fall, God gives his consequence to Satan. He gives it to man and he gives it to woman. And, and, he, and he says this in Genesis 3.15. It's just called the proto-evangelium. Fancy word, isn't it? Proto just means first. Evangelium means gospel. This is what theologians know as the proto-evangelium. Satan is aware of this. So this is the first gospel. So that is found in Genesis 3.15. Let me read it to you very quickly because I think this is important. And I will put enmity, Satan, between you and the woman. Now, the woman is going to be the offspring of Israel. It's Israel, but it's the offspring of Israel, particularly Messiah is what he's referring to here. And between your seed, Satan, Satan followers, and her seed, which will be Jesus Messiah. Now, watch this. He shall bruise your head. Messiah will bruise your head. He will have a death blow to you. Satan, and you're going to bruise his heel. You're going to cause him a hassle, but Jesus Christ is going to do away with you. Now, if there's ever a time that you said amen in a service, this will be amen. This will be an amen time. Satan will be dealt with. He will be dealt with. So, the protoe, he knows that there's one that is coming that is going to rescue humanity and cause his demise. Someday, Think about this. Someday this pit will be opened and God, hear this, God will use these awful beings, not them at their own volition. God uses these awful beings for his purpose to torment the earth dwellers. Now the picture is this. The pit is opened. Can you imagine the pollution on earth? We talk about Mother Earth being polluted. Well, think of this pollution. The sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. You talk about choking and breathing problems. And, and, you know, people a lot of times say, well, we don't like fire and brimstone. Fire and brimstone, that's, that's very scary to me. I don't want to hear that. Well, this is fire and brimstone, okay? This is terrifying. This is bad stuff. This is horrible. Absolute darkness, hordes of demons, and this is the first woe judgment. And notice this. I bet you didn't catch up on catch this, but it just struck me. Satan's demons are attacking Satan's followers, the earth dwellers. Isn't that something? God is using them to attack the earth dwellers, those who are fighting against Jesus Christ. Folks, Satan is real. De- demons are real. And their goal is always destruction deception, havoc, always, no matter how they come, keeping, them in, keeping people in bondage to what? Sex, drugs, the occult, relational trauma, emotional distress. People, he uses religion. Satan uses the religions of the world to keep people trapped away from the true God. That's what he does. These are just a few of his tools to entrap people, to destroy people. Remember, Satan sets traps. He catches men catches people. He's an expert. This is why Paul said in Ephesians 6.12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And this is the reason that God has given us the armor of God to put on, that we can defend ourselves against this foe. Now, when you think about these demons and you think about these locusts, what will these demons do? Well, in verse 3, we will see. Then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Have you ever seen a scorpion? They look nasty and they sting. They sting. Out of the abyss, a great number of demons are released for the first of two demonic invasions. The first two woe judgments are demonic. The third woe judgment we won't see until Revelation chapter 11, and that is when the seventh trumpet goes and Jesus comes back to take over planet Earth. The first wave of is scorpions. Can you imagine what this will be like? Stinging repeatedly, extremely painful. There will be horrific torture. Horrific torture for those who experience this woe. Who is their target? I mean, hopefully, 
Who's their target? It's a specific group of people. Verse 4, they were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree. Why? Because that's already been decimated. Okay? But only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Only those. So they're commanded by God not to hurt the earth, but only those who worship the earth, the earth dwellers, without the seal of God. Now I have a question for you. Who is in charge of planet earth? Is it Satan or is it God? God is in charge. God is orchestrating these events. But remember, only after warning, after warning, after warning to turn and repent. These hardened hearts refuse. Their consciences are seared and they refuse and they believe the lie and the deception of the Antichrist over the true Christ. Talk about a deceiver. 2 Thessalonians 2, 9-12 says this, These earth dwellers have swallowed the Kool-Aid. They believe the lie. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. That's the energy of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Notice he's a liar. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Now get this. If you zoned out for a second, zone in right now because this is important. How are people saved in the tribulation? How are people saved today? The next part of this. Who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth. They would not receive the love of the truth. It's the same today. It'll be the same in the tribulation period. That they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie. What is the lie? That Antichrist is the Christ. That's what most of the earth is going to believe. That they all may be condemned who do not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. God's people will not experience the wrath of God. They are sealed for protection. 144,000 Jewish evangelists, the two witnesses in Jerusalem are doing their job. Now remember this. Always, always remember in the face of this awfulness, God is merciful. God is merciful. The length of this torture is limited. Verses 5 and 6. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Now, did you catch that? They were not given authority. They couldn't do anything on their own. It has to come from God. They has to, he's directing this. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. Isn't this cheery? Isn't this just your best life now and health and wealth and all? It's just great. This is the truth is what's coming to people on planet earth who reject Jesus Christ, Jesus Messiah. Recall these judgments are on the earth dwellers and they, they, they know that it's coming from the true God that he is sovereign, and they also know that Satan can't do a single thing to protect them. They can turn to Antichrist, they can go to the false prophet, they can can pray to Satan all they want, and they can't do a single thing for five months they're being stung. The judgment is five months and is limited. Remember God in Egypt. He attacked the ten gods of Egypt. Ten of them. And he attacked each one of them. And each one of them, they hardened their hearts. They hardened their hearts. They hardened their hearts. Blood, frogs, lice, flies, locusts, livestock, hail, boils, darkness, death. All of those were the gods of Egypt. All of them were a warning. Turn and live. Turn and live. Let my people go. Let my people go. And they refused, they refused, and they refused. Please do not overlook this. The situation will be so bad that people will desire to die, but will not be able to. Folks, this is a picture of something. This is a picture for them of hell. He's given these people a a chance to say, this is what it's going to be like separated from me. Hell on earth, torture, no way out, absolute hopelessness. Hear the word of Jesus. Jesus said, This place is so bad, do anything that you have to do to stay out of it. 
And he uses hyperbole. He's not actually saying to do this, but it's so important that you consider the destination of people who reject Jesus Christ. He said, if your hand deceives you, cut it off. If your hide deceives you, pluck it out. Do anything that you do, but do not go to this place. That is his warning. Recall, hell was created for the devil and his angels. It was not created for humans. God has provided humanity with the rescue. Who is the rescue? Jesus. What is our verse? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It's whoever. It's available to all. Now, these demonic entities are nasty, aren't they? Have you ever heard this ugly? You ugly. You ugly. You ugly, ugly, ugly. Well, this is ugly stuff right here. What these demonic locusts look like, 7 through 10. The shape of the locust was, notice he uses the words like. He's trying to describe this, but he doesn't have the vocabulary. The shape of the locust was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tail, tails. Their power was to hurt men for five months. Now, can you imagine this? Day one, ah! Day 30, ah! Day 150, ah! I mean, it just keeps coming. Awful. Now, we have an artist rendition of this. Again, this is just an artist. Now, this is some nasty-looking stuff. That's a, that's a bad-looking tail, and that's a bad-looking face right there in it. And this is poor little guy that got deceived, and he's not having a fun time, and he's just going to be tortured. This is, this is terrible. This is terrible. And it's sad. Very sad. I don't know how hideous these things are going to look. But they are hideous. But I don't plan on being around to see it. Now, those who believe, now I just want to cover this. There are people that believe that you go all the way through the tribulation and Jesus comes back a second time. That's Orthodox Christianity. Jesus comes back. We believe in a pre-tribulation rapture that we're going to avoid all of this. There are folks that believe in a mid-trib or a pre-wrath rapture that put the trumpet judgments at the first half. Okay? And so... Some people believe, and I think this is the wrath of God. I don't know how you can escape the trumpet judgments not being the wrath of God. But they believe we're going to go through some of this stuff. Now look, you've got the sealed judgments that a fourth of earth are killed. You have the trumpet judgments that a third of earth are killed. Okay, we've got about four billion people killed at this point. Let me ask you a question. If we must endure the sealed trumpets, uh, sealed judgments, or some of the trumpet judgments, how is anyone comforted by 1 Thessalonians 4.18 when Jesus has just said that he's going to come back and rescue us with the rapture, with the rapture verses? You know, dead in Christ shall rise, and we who remain shall be caught up together with the Lord in the air. There we shall ever be with the Lord, those verses in verses 16 and 17. And then he says in verse 18, therefore comfort one another with these words. Is there any comfort at all that God, even if he protects you through this, Okay, if he protects you through this, is there any comfort in that? I mean, let's just be honest about this. It's not comforting. If we must endure these horrific things, it, it is not a comfort. Now, describing these demonic hordes, John uses the word like eight times. The, the shape of the locust was like horses. That's strength. Crowns like gold, victory. Faces like faces of men, intelligent. Hair like women's hair, flowing, rapid attack. Teeth like lion's teeth, fierce. Breastplates like breastplates of iron, invulnerable. Why is he saying that? Because I'll bet you that the earth dwellers are trying to shoot these dudes. Any, with anything they have, missiles, you know, you're 22, whatever you have, you're going to try to shoot, and it's not penetrating. It's not doing anything. The sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots. 
tails like scorpion, stinging hurt for five months. And again, it's limited. It's God's mercy. It gives these people a chance to turn and to live. Now remember, John is simply doing his best to describe the indescribable. He's doing his best. Some commentators liken these locusts to an Apache attack helicopter. I've heard this one before. You may have too. Now, bad, bad teeth, bad teeth, should put some cavities in here. Gum disease, if this is Satan, okay? Faces like men, crown of gold, you know, the whirling sound like horses, a scorpion's tail that stings, breastplate. Look at this right here is a weapon of death. This is not a weapon of sting. This Apache helicopter, they get those little miniguns going, they, they can level, they can level, they can do a lot of damage with these things. So that is a wrong view of this. These are demons, folks. These are demons. So, who is the angel in the bottomless pit? Who is this angel? Well, he's called the destroyer in verse 11. And they had as a king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek he has the name of Apollyon. Who is this guy? And again, they're, they're locusts. They're contrasting with locusts. Remember how damaging locusts are. Locusts don't have leaders, but yet they march in order. Proverbs 30.27 says this, The locusts have no king, yet they advance in ranks. These demonic hordes have a king, and they're going to advance in ranks. Remember this, the character of Satan is destruction, is to destroy. Those affiliated with him as wicked or fallen angels will destroy, will destroy. Today, Satan will destroy if he can, and if he cannot, he uses deception and cunning particularly in dealing with humans. Mark Hitchcock says this, In Revelation 12, Satan has his fallen host are cast down from heaven to earth. The earth will be caught in the demonic crossfire as Satan and the fallen angels are cast from the atmospheric heavens down to earth and the demons from the abyss below are dredged up to the earth. Can you imagine demonic hordes? G Satan and his angels, the those that are sequestered, the super-duper bad guys, they're coming up to occupy planet Earth. The Earth will literally be teeming with swarms of dreadful demon beings. And he goes on to say, it will be like Auschwitz. Now, some of you that are younger might not know about Auschwitz. They don't teach history very well now in schools. Auschwitz was a Nazi concentration camp where Jews were slaughtered in gas chambers. And it was just one of many. It would be like Auschwitz for those who must endure it. Satan's strategy today, particularly in America or in the West, is this. He uses deception. He uses delusion. He often appears as an angel of light. In 2 Corinthians 11, 13, and 15, remember, he's a counterfeiter. He's a counterfeiter. He tries to be like God. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. Isn't that amazing? You have to be careful. You have to be discerning today who you listen to. No wonder for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing that his ministers, oh, there's ministers of Satan that look like light? You bet. They also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their work. Let's look at this word transform. This is very important. The word is metaschismatizo. Try that one on. It might not even be that, but it's what you're hearing today. Metaschismatizo. That's what it is today. It's a change in outer appearance, but without a change of essence or character. See, he can change his appearance, and he can look like an angel of light, but he can't change his character. Quite different than a believer. A believer is transformed. The word is metamorpho. And we are transformed. That is a transition from the inside out. It's an interchange of character. It happens to the believer. In Romans 12, 2, we have this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
metamorpho, be transformed on the inside. You're changed from the inside out. Do not be conformed. You know what that means? Do not let the world squeeze you into its mold. Actually, that's what it says in the Phillips translation. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Don't buy into a worldview that is absolutely anti-biblical, anti-Christian. It wants you, the world wants you to buy into their view. And by the way, if you're not buying into their view, what are they going to do now? You're seeing it all around you. They're getting more violent, getting more violent, getting more violent. Very common as we get closer. Amy Comey Barrett. She is a Christian lady, okay? She goes to a charismatic Christian church, charismatic Catholic church. And I want you to realize you will see conflicting worldviews in the next few days. You will see this lady attacked by the lawlessness and the evil of our nation, trying to undermine her, Christ, her, her radical, radical Christian beliefs. It's radical because she believes in a nuclear family, one man, one woman for life. It's radical that she doesn't want to kill babies. It's radical that she follows the scriptures. And she will be impugned, and she will be nailed to the wall, and I hope that she has a Holy Spirit rod of iron up her spine that allow her to stand through that assault. Because that's how she will stand, because they will, have, they will be merciless on her. Merciless. Pray for her. Pray for her. You will see kingdoms in conflict. You will see it played out right before your eyes as we're seating in our streets today. Satan can, he can appear all he wants as an angel of light. You know, you can call evil good and good evil. That's what's happening today in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 or so. People are calling evil good and good evil. That is what we are seeing today, and it's the angel of light. Satan can appear as an angel of light, like he's a good guy, but he is a thief and he is a liar. John 8, 44, it couldn't be clear. Jesus talking to the Pharisees, hitting them right between the eyes, these religion, religious people of his day, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, would Jesus have got an A on political correctness? <laughs> Look, there's a time when you have to tell the truth, folks. There's a time when Christians have to take a stand. And we try to be as nice as we can with people, but there's a time when we say, no, no. I'm, my gospel shoes are dug in. No, this is the truth. Here, you can go no farther, world. You cannot transgress this any farther. I believe what the Bible says. Unapologetically believe what it says. The angel over the abyss is called Apollyon, the destroyer. And no creature is more ferocious in destruction than a locust. Verse, 5, verse 12 is this. It just keeps getting worse. One woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. They all know this is the first woe because the angel went around and told them. But there's two to follow. The next demonic horde brings death. Amazingly, the earth dwellers refuse, refuse, refuse to repent, even though they know it's from God, even though they know they're on the wrong team. Watch this. They've been deluded. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues, this is verse 20, did not repent of the works of their hands that they should not worship demons and the idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood. Which, either, which neither see nor hear or walk. And they did not repent of their murders, of their sorceries, pharmakia, drugs, their sexual immorality, pornea, or their thefts. We aren't going to repent. We want to have our way. That is what the world says. We will not change. In closing, the locusts from hell. Look, we're talking about falling angels. That we're going to be released on the earth. Some of them destroy the earth and some of them are going to be destroying people. Billions of people will die. Believers that during this time, by the way, will die by the millions 
because Antichrist is going to have a fit and try to kill every Jew and every Christian believer after the abomination of desolation, after he's booted out of heaven. I think they happen right about the same time. Remember this. Remember this. We are living today in troubling times. Now, please hear this. This isn't going to be popular. You're not going to write it on your, on your refrigerator. Rick said it's just, just positive words of affirmation. You know, it's not going to get better. We might get a respite for a time, but we know that as a time grows near, it will get worse. And remember this, in this time, particularly today, it will always cost you to serve Jesus. It's going to cost you your comforts. It's going to cost you your having your ways in life. Hear the words of King David in 2 Samuel 24, 24. Now remember the setting here. David has taken a census. He's been enticed by Satan to take a census of his people, of his army. He wanted to know how strong he was. He was trusting in his army, not trusting in his God. And God says, okay, there's going to be a plague, and all these people are going to die. And they start to die, and he's looking for a place to make sacrifice. And he goes to Arnu, and he tries to buy the... Arnu says, I'll give you the threshing floor. I'll give it to you, David. And David responds to him this way. No, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. It will always, always cost you to serve God. It'll cost you your will and your ways. I'll buy it for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God from that which costs me nothing. Folks, it will always cost us, and it's going to be costing us more as we get closer to the end. It will always cost you to serve and obey God. You will not get your way. You don't want your way. By the way, Father does know best. Now, you who are really old, you're going to remember there was a program. Father knows best. Well, he does. Folks, all of us have locust problems. Every person in this room has a locust problem, has something they're dealing with, something uncomfortable, something that is attacking your peace. Every one of us has locusts that have attacked our lives and left it one big mess seemingly impossible to clean up. Hear the words of the prophet Joel on locusts. And I can't give you the whole thing because of time, but he talks about the swarming locusts, the crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, and the chewing locusts. And in Joel chapter 2, verse 24, and verse 27, I'll read you these words. For those who turn to God, when the locusts are attacking, and instead of saying, God, why are you doing this to me? I hate you, God, for doing When you turn to God and say, God, I don't understand, but I'm turning to you, and I'm trusting you, and I'm going to trust in you until I die with that attitude, what does he say? I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. And then God says in verse 27, I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. Folks, these are words of comfort during a locust attack. When you feel like a little nit, when you feel like you can't take another step, you'll never be put to shame. Allow me to close with the words of John Corson. Whenever we obey Scripture, whenever we repent and seek the Lord in sincerity, the Lord not only forgives us, but makes up for what is lost. Let that it be emphasized. Makes up for what is lost. Amazing. I would have thought it would be enough for God to forgive us. But he says, no, I'm going to do much more than that. I will restore to you what the locusts have eaten. And then he goes on to say, you could be 20, 30, 40, 50, 70 years old, and you might be saying, there's a big chunk of my life that's been eaten away by grasshoppers. Good news for you. Whenever you choose to humble yourself, call out to the Lord. He will make up for lost time in the years that the locusts have eaten away. Good quote, John Corson. Remember this. Never believe, never ever believe that your situation is hopeless. Don't do it. Don't do it. God is at work, even when we can't see him. Do what you can and leave the rest to God. We can't control other people. We can't control all the situations. 
All we can control is ourself and our attitude in the situation. Remember this, with God, all things are possible. It's very important to remember that. Psalm 115.3 says this, and I think it's a good thing to remember. When the navigators, I forget the guy's name, drowned on Spruen Lake in New York, his wife made this comment, our God is in the heavens, and he does as he pleases. We have to remember that as we're going through life. God is in charge. God is a God that can change the hopeless into the hopeful. That is the God we serve. Don't be afraid of the locust. You are protected. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to study your word, the inerrant word of God. Lord, there's awful things that are coming. I pray that people will turn and live, repent. Lord, if there's anybody here today that doesn't know you as their Savior, speak to their heart. No more fooling around. No more messing around. No more half in and half out. I don't know if I'm in. I don't know if I'm out. All in. You want us all in, God. I pray today that if someone doesn't know you as their Savior, they'll be born again of the Spirit today. Say, yes, I believe you died for me, Jesus. I receive you as my Savior, and your Spirit will be given life, and it's called born again and new birth. Oh, Lord, please do that. For we who are in your family and the locusts have attacked, and we know it's every one of us in here at some extent, sometimes in others, oh, Father, restore to us the years that the locusts have eaten away. May we experience your presence in a special way. Just fill us with with your spirit. Overflow us with your presence. May we feel the shalom of God, the peace of God, the tranquility of God come into our lives. And in the midst of chaos, you bring peace. Peace be still to the troubled waters. Thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen.